We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the Wazzaro In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. The Indiana Pacers lose again, falling 109-105 to 105 to the hottest team in the NBA, the New York Knicks. It was a tough one to watch, obviously. No Fachi, he was in the building. The Fachi curse lives on. We'll leave it at that. I don't want to say anything else, but in his place, going to make this podcast not go on a losing streak. Derek Kramer from my Pacers blog. Derek, thanks so much for joining. How are you, man? I mean, the fourth quarter makes so much more sense now that I know he was in the building. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, like, what happened? And I mean, I even tweeted, like, you know, the JoJo song, get out, leave right now, you know, but Fachi didn't get the hint. So Pacers lose this game. Obviously, there's a lot you can look at here. Started off really great. Got out to a 36-26 point lead. Felt like things were going in their favor. And then the Knicks just kind of put the clamps on defensively and really just started attacking the Pacers and started playing with more force in Indiana was it felt like they were on the back of their heels for the majority of you know the second half but I know we wanted to talk about offensive rebounding here because I felt like that was the story of this game Indiana gets out rebounded on the offensive glass 24 to 9 Derek what were your thoughts on just the putrid rebounding from the Pacers like obviously this has been a problem for literally years some Pacers fans out there probably don't even know what a team looks like that rebounds the ball well it's been so long of an issue Mm -hmm. um tonight was just like this might be one of the worst i've ever seen like achua and hardenstein by themselves had 16 offensive rebounds both of them by themselves they each had eight they almost had as many as the pacers did total with nine on their end like it's just it was just especially in the fourth quarter like the pacers really like first shot defense I thought they did pretty well. Like even Brunson, who had 40, like he had to take 30 shots to get there. Mm-hmm. He only, and he hit 50%. Like that's for defending an all-star. Let's, if he's going to take 30 shots. You know, like you only make 15, you'll take that. But they just, anytime somebody missed, they had no chance of getting a rebound, especially in that fourth. I mean, if you, if you look at the box score, right? 39.8% from the field for New York, 21.1% from three. 
that's pretty good defense. But the problem, like you said, Hartenstein, Achua, you know, Josh Hart even had 12 rebounds. You had three guys in double figures, and the Pacers had zero <laughs> guys in double figures rebounding. It's it's one of those things where it's like I felt like Indiana was slow to react. Every time a shot went up, they were out of position defensively. And one thing I've noticed about this Pacers team, too, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but they don't do a very good job consistently boxing out. They turn their backs to watch the ball go up, and maybe they get in the same vicinity. But they don't make a lot of contact, which allows for guys – like Hardenstein, you know, like a Chua to be a little bit more aggressive and get in there and, and dominate. So I don't know if that's just me seeing things, but I feel like they just do a poor job of actually getting a body on somebody. But it definitely felt especially true tonight with because a Chua would just crash and nobody would touch him so many times. Like Hardenstein, like that's what he does to an extent, but like you can't let that let both of those guys just go off like that. Like, I don't, I don't know if they were trying. It doesn't even make sense if they were trying to, like, double up on Hartenstein on the glass because, obviously, he's still getting eight. So, even if you're saying that's why, then she was getting so many offensive rebounds, too. It was just, just an embarrassing effort on the glass and on all ends. Yeah, and, and I think it is fair to say that the Pacers are still trying to figure things out now. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's back in the mix, but on a minutes restriction, played 22 minutes once again, the same exact – uh, you know, way of they spread the minutes out the exact same way they did against Boston on Tuesday, where he played 16 minutes in the first half, six in the second half, and then doesn't see the the floor the rest of the game. And when he played in those 22 minutes, he was a plus five, 15 points, five assists, four rebounds, two blocks, only one turnover. Like Tyrese Halliburton was starting to feel pretty good before he had to come out, and you obviously look long term here, bigger picture. No doubt about it, but it feels like if Tyrese Halliburton can play normal minutes, this is a game they win, and it's just you needed someone out there like Halliburton to kind of take over when some of your key guys like Turner and Hill really struggled in this game. Yeah, I think the – I wonder if they're questioning their – like how they use Halliburton's minutes because mm -hmm. it feels like, like you play a guy two-thirds of the first half and then the first six minutes of the third quarter – and like it feels like a tough task for Nimhard to be like, okay, you got to play the last 18 minutes of the game. Hope yeah. you're in rhythm. Like that's that's tough. And obviously, they feel like they're doing the best thing for Tyrese, and that's the most important thing long term. That's just that's such an incredible challenge for a guy to go from playing very little in the first half to now you're the guy that's going to handle the ball on every offensive possession for a quarter and a half to end the game. Um, and he's played decently, like he didn't shoot very well tonight, Nimhard, but like that's a lot to ask of a guy. Yeah, I mean, in the fourth quarter, he had two big buckets to kind of give the Pacers a four-point lead, I believe it was, and it was like nothing else was really flowing for him, and after he missed the third shot that he took after hitting two in a row, it felt like the Knicks just went on that 12-0 run after that. So to me, I totally agree with you, though. Playing Nimhard 18 straight minutes at the point guard spot, like, He's never going to do that. Even Tyrese hardly plays 18 minutes straight in a row. So it is it is a tall task to ask somebody. Um, and as good as Nimhart is, like you're, you're also asking him to put out so much defensively too. So he's trying to carry it on both sides of the basketball. And TJ McConnell was available in this game, was a little bit surprised that he didn't play. I understand that he's six, so maybe they were just kind of bringing him back slowly. But knowing Tyrese was on a, a limited minutes restriction, I thought you might see TJ McConnell play some play some one with Nimhard maybe at the two, but McConnell doesn't even get into this game. And if he's if he's healthy, I kind of wonder if he plays. Yeah, it's interesting with uh that's a definitely an interesting question. Like long term, like once Tyrese is like back to full minutes and then like Matherin wasn't even healthy tonight and like Shepard was the the ninth guy that played. Mm -hmm. So it's that's gonna be an interesting thing to watch with whether uh, they want to keep Nimhard at the back of one uh, with buddy struggles. Do you want to move Nimhard into the two and then, then you can play TJ, but then like who else, like it's a, it's an interesting puzzle once everybody's healthy because Shepard's looked great defensively and like has earned the spot, the minutes that he's getting. Um, so it's a, it's a tough puzzle for Carlisle to figure out now. Yeah. I just think at this point, you've probably seen enough of buddy Hill to know what you're going to get. Um, I feel like it's moving forward. It's just going to be really hard defensively 
to have Buddy and Tyrese in the backcourt together. So that's why I think that Nimhard just makes a ton of more sense to me. And I was actually kind of hoping we would see Nimhard tonight start with TJ being available to play. But if he's still overcoming that sickness, I totally get it. No Matherin makes a huge difference as well. Just having that extra scoring punch off the bench and someone that can get you a basket late at the end of the game. Like I understand Pascal Siakam can do it, but it feels like when Tyrese is out and the way Buddy was struggling and, and Nimhard, you know, spending so much time exerting all that energy playing you know, 18 minutes in a row, it was like, all right, we got to just kind of isolate and let Pascal create for us. And we'll, we'll get every action out of that. But it's almost like they needed someone else out there that could really get them a basket when they needed one. And I felt like that really stagnated the offense towards the end of the game. And it really made it easier for New York to kind of dig their heels in, in the paint and kind of just wait on whatever Pascal was going to do. I don't know if you felt that way, but that's what I was seeing. They definitely were loading up on Pascal, and you can kind of see it in his turnover numbers. Like, he had five tonight. Uh, Achua was awesome on both ends. Like, he ended the night with four steals and two blocks as well. It's like he was just all over the place. He did everything but, like, make open jump shots. Everything else was – he kind of felt like a revenge game almost against his former teammate in Siakam. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the Buddy Heald thing, I just – I don't know what to what to do with him at this point. It's just bizarre. Um, how many like down games he's had, like obviously a shooter that shoots as much as he does, like he's going to have games where he goes one for seven, like tonight or over five or whatever, but they've just been way more often this year than last year. And like, he does still provide spacing and like steams teams will always respect his shot. But like, it seems like once you get into the fourth quarter and he's been cold teams, are, teams do feel like they just like, okay, let's see if he'll, he'll hit one now. Um, and he obviously did not do that tonight. Yeah, he's he's been pretty bad the last handful of games. It feels like he's not really got into a consistent rhythm this year either. And he has played several different roles, whether he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench and, you know, trying to be more of a scorer, trying to, you know, just be that floor spacer and pick and choose when he shoots. But, yeah, you're not seeing the same Buddy Hill you saw last year. And, and last year it was kind of like, man, they really need to keep this guy because he spreads the floor so well. He's been really good for this team. But, I don't know. This year, it seems like he has regressed. And there is that funny stat out there that he is the, you know, the active player with the most games not uh, not playing in a playoff game. So he's played the most games, but without making the playoffs. So I don't know. I just I feel like at this point, I just don't trust him in, in big games right now, especially on the defensive side of things. And there's just guys that I would prefer to see play over him at this moment. And as soon as Neesmith bowed out and he went in the game, I think DiVincenzo just shook him, <laughs> like <laughs> created like a 10 feet of space to get a shot off. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? So I, I feel bad because I like Buddy Hillett as a person. I think he's hilarious. Uh, I think he's a good person for this locker room, but I just have not loved what we've seen from him, specifically just being so inconsistent. Yeah, just when he doesn't hit – hit his three-point shot it can it can look real rough at times um like he hit he missed those two in the fourth quarter right in a row and then immediately got beat by Brunson who somehow got him on a switch nobody doubled and that was like and then he got pulled for Ben Shepard like if you would have told me Buddy Heald was going to get benched for Ben Shepard <laughs> during yeah. a, a close game in a fourth quarter at the beginning of the year I, like I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen yeah um, so like Shepard's a Shepard's a bright spot um but, yeah, the Buddy Heald experience has been rough lately. Yeah, in the 48 games, he's had 26 games where he shot under 40% from three this year. Um, and has really only, and out of those 26, only about, I believe, six or seven of those are like 33% or greater. So he's had a lot of bad games shooting-wise this year. And it just you can really feel the weight of his lack of offense when he's out there. So um, Derek is known for giving pacer grades with his articles that he writes for iPacers blog. And so we decided we're going to go through each player on the team and hand out grades for tonight's game. So since you're the teacher, Derek, I'll let you start and, and start handing out grades. Well, I think we've already talked about Buddy enough. So you can just, uh, uh, I'm going to give him an F tonight. He did have one <laughs> steal and one steal and two blocks. I thought about a D, D minus. I just, that fourth quarter was so rough. I, I just can't get myself there. Yeah, no, he... Easy F for me. I mean, he he was the worst player tonight in the game for, for sure, but I think there's someone that's pretty close second to him that was also a starter tonight. 
which is very unfortunate because like you're counting on those guys, especially, uh, yeah. Miles was very bad. I assume that's who you're talking about. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I gotta give miles an F. He was, he was awful. Like there's just no, I can't say anything else. I love miles, but like two for six from the floor, only five points. Obviously he's, uh, I can't put everything on the rebounds on him, but like, he's a big part of it. He wasn't in, in the fourth, fourth quarter, mm. hardly at all, but, he he was in for a few minutes at least five fouls um like uh, just not much good to say about miles in that game no and it's like this is where you need miles to step up 24 minutes that's not enough minutes i know he averages around 27 28 a game something like that but when you know halliburton's on a minute restriction you need him to play or you want him to play close to 30 32 and, and be more of a presence like I thought he was decent in the Boston game. Obviously, I didn't love all the shot selection, but still was a little bit more active out there. Obviously didn't play against Memphis. He was dealing with a back back injury. So, you know, maybe he's still kind of dealing with some of the side effects of that. But to me, he didn't seem aggressive at all. It seemed like Hartenstein was just manhandling him out, out there, playing with way more force, pushing him all around, just got to wherever he wanted to, whenever he wanted to, when they were out there. And it felt like Turner was just a step slow. And I've kind of felt like that all year this year with Turner. There's been some games where he's looked really good, but there's also been a lot of games where he's just, seems like he's a step slow on everything in terms of his reaction. And I looked at his numbers today to kind of see where he's at from last year. And he's about the same as he was last year, straight across the board. If you look at his statistics, maybe just a smidge down in every category, just by a couple tenths of a statistic. But to me, that's not that much of a difference, but I just felt like last year you felt his presence on the court more than maybe you have this year. And it also could just be because expectations are a lot higher and you're expecting more out of him than last year where you were kind of, let's see what he can do with Tyrese first time, that kind of thing. And there wasn't as high of expectations. So I think for Miles, I got to give him an F for tonight's performance though. Yeah, I agree. Um, hard to go anywhere else with Miles tonight on that. I think he's had a great year overall. I think he's kind of he's I think his defense just hasn't been as good e either of the last two years, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, offensively, both of these two years, amazing, obviously the best he's ever been. Um, but, yeah, the defense has, just hasn't been as impactful for whatever reason. Um, next player, let's uh, let's talk about the tale of two halves for Aaron Neesmith. Mm. First half, six for eight, 17 points. Second half, 0 for five, zero points. Mm. So, and he had six fouls ended up fouling out. Some of those calls maybe a little little tough. Um, I, I think overall he's been, like, awesome. That second half was tough, especially when, like, he was kind of holding the offense afloat while a lot of other guys were struggling. And then he fell off, but nobody was there to pick him up in the starting lineup, really, mm -hmm. um, among those other guys. So I think probably uh, B minus tonight because that first half was still so great, um, but a struggle in the second half. So you said B minus? Yep. All right. Yeah. So I thought he was great in the first half. Like I was like, man. And there was, I think it was Chris Mannix who put out a, a tweet that said that Miles Turner would be in consideration for the All Star game this year as a injury reserve for Julius Randle and potentially Joel Embiid. Now that we know Joel Embiid has a meniscus, uh, I believe something wrong with his meniscus. So they're still going to evaluate that. But yeah, so I was like, okay, uh, let's see what Miles does tonight. And then it felt like, okay, maybe the case should be made for Aaron Neesmith <laughs> as the Pacers' <laughs> second best player, which we've talked about before. I think we both tweeted at one point, like we felt like Neesmith was the second best guy, but I agree. I think the foul trouble kind of got him out of his rhythm in the second half. He got two early ones in the in the third quarter, and he kind of had to go to the bench. And I just felt like you know you could you could tell. I think he is definitely. I think it says a lot of, about a lot of guys, but I feel like he is a huge product of, of of Tyrese Halliburton. And you can just tell. Like I think Neesmith plays so much better when Tyrese is on the floor, but you can say that about almost everybody. So it feels like a little bit of a cop out there, but. I just like the way Neesmith plays. I think he's a really good player. Love the way he defends. I love that he's tenacious. Sometimes he obviously gets out of position, gets his hands in the wrong spot, puts himself in a bad spot where he's going to get called for fouls because he can be over-aggressive sometimes. But 
The three-point shot, it's still, you know, three of six tonight, 50%. Like, we're kind of expecting him to shoot the ball super well. They definitely needed his offensive scoring, and I think you have to give New York a little bit of credit for their defensive adjustments on him as well, paying more attention. But, yeah, this was this was a really, like you said, a tell of two halves for Aaron Neesmith. I feel like a solid a solid C plus B minus is right around where he deserves it. If he would have played just a little bit better and not fouled out, that last foul on Brunson was just a killer. Um, him and him and Nimhard got caught on a switch. He gets out of position, puts his hands in there, reaches and fouls Brunson, and you know just a, just a bad way to go out. So still had a positive plus minus on the game, but wasn't uh, wasn't great from him. It was just it was pretty solid. So I feel like we're in the same boat. B plus C minus, uh, excuse me, C plus B minus. And I, uh, I, I really can't say too much else about him. I feel like he's just been really consistent all year long. Yeah. One last, uh, highlight for him. He didn't, he only had one assist tonight, but just his passing lately has been awesome. Like to yeah. set a career, career high and back-to-back nights in the previous two games with six assists and then seven assists. Um, Obviously very pleased with Aaron Smith all season. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just uh, keep going with the starters. Uh, Pascal, Siakam, why don't you start with how you feel that went? Yeah. Like you said, early on, I thought he was really good. And it felt like that's how it was for the Pacers. Like, everybody played really good in the first half. And then the second half, they kind of fell apart. Obviously, Pascal hit some big buckets for the Pacers there in the second half. It was kind of keeping them afloat when it felt like New York was just chipping away and chipping away. He would hit a couple baskets and he had a nice little pull up in the fourth quarter too, but I felt like Achua had the better of him sometimes. We talked about his turnovers earlier. Definitely didn't love the turnovers from him, but I I felt like just relying on him to kind of do too much at the end there, not having another playmaker out there with him, someone that else, someone else I could kind of help initiate the offense really did hurt him. So I, I like the minutes overall. I know he was a minus 10 for the game. Had 18 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Like he, he was pretty solid. I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him a solid B. I don't really think he was terrible tonight. I just felt like without Julius Randle, uh obviously Mitch Robb is down. Uh I felt like, you know, it was a good opportunity for him to really take advantage of Achua. And I felt like his, you know, young protege that he was mentoring in Toronto got the better of him at, at certain points, but I still thought he had a pretty solid game overall and yeah, I'll give him a I'll give him a B. I think I I have to go lower just because like I think this was easily his worst game as a Pacer, I'd say. Yeah. Um and I had some things could have gone his way, like maybe a few of those drives towards the basket, he gets some foul calls and then his numbers look a little better. Uh but eight of nineteen, uh like to, anytime you see more field goal attempts than points, um so like things just didn't go well. Yeah. Um, so I gotta go, I gotta go with C with Pascal uh today. Um, you know, Buddy hits a few of those shots in the fourth quarter, his numbers look better. Uh, like the Knicks loaded up on him and the Pacers couldn't make him pay. And when he tried to force force the issue a little bit, it, things just weren't working out for him tonight. No, and I and I understand that. I mean, I'm I'm trying not to be too critical of him just because I felt like he had the force <laughs> because there was nobody else out there to do it, but at the same time, you know, he 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 tries to make the right play. That is one thing I like about him for the most part. He does make the right play, doesn't always force. But, yeah, the, the percentage-wise, it was not great from him. Uh, could have been a lot better. So let's just finish it out here with the starters. Tyrese Halliburton, 21 minutes, 53 seconds, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Um, ended up finishing with 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 really nice blocks. 15 points was a plus 5 in those 21 uh, minutes and 53 seconds. I'm going to give him an A. I I know that he's not all the way back yet, but I felt like he was really cooking, and I feel like if he would have been able to play close to 30, 35 minutes, the Pacers probably pull this one out. I felt like you could just tell he was really getting into a groove and couldn't couldn't maximize on that because he had to come out of the game, but he really had a nice stretch there in the third quarter offensively to start the half where he was kind of carrying this team. So you can just feel like – how much things are going to be easier for the Pacers when he's back fully healthy. But I, I like the way he played tonight, and I thought he looked like he was playing pretty fast too. So knowing that a hamstring is getting better, it makes me feel better about where he's at. So I'll give him an A- minus just because he couldn't, you know, maybe could have been a little bit more efficient passing the ball, more assists, but A- minus feels good to me. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I really like that. Those two box shots were awesome. It was like he, he knows when Brunson's going to go up for one of his little in the lane shots from playing with him at Team USA. And he just read those and like came over the top and blocked them. Um, that, those were some of my favorite plays from him today. Mm-hmm. We like I think we grade a little different. Like for me, a Tyrese A game would have to be like him going nuts. Like this yeah. is like a this is a B game for for me for him. Like I feel like B is where I go with like that's a pretty solid average game for you. Um, which like 15 points in 22 minutes and like yeah, it's ridiculous that uh, <laughs> that he can do that and it feels like a B to me. But like uh, obviously we said a lot like the. He was plus 10 in the first quarter, like the end to the first half that like he was upset because he felt like he got held, but like very clearly like extends his arms. Yeah. And McBride kind of like easy call for the refs to make. Like even if you got held, like that's not how you're going to get that call. Um, Like that was a rough ending to the first half that kind of cost him a few points. And then like he played great to begin the third quarter, um, but the Knicks kept making a run too. So it's hard for me to give him an A tonight. Uh, I can't wait till he's back uh, playing all his minutes because mm-hmm. the, it was just so much fun watching him pick the Knicks apart in that first quarter. Like just the way he reads defenses is just such a wonderful thing to watch. And I missed it. Yeah. Well, I will say this in terms of our grading scales, you are the teacher. So you are the <laughs> expert at this. You do this all the time. I don't ever do this. So I'm just trying to go off how I feel. <laughs> and so my grading skill is just like, yeah, I thought he played pretty good today. I'll give it a, <laughs> so I'm definitely the lenient teacher that doesn't really uh, have like a, a strict thing I'm following here. So I I'll, I'll, I'll always default to you on this one. No, no doubt about that. I, I am, I am grading with the curve here tonight for Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, let's move over to the bench. We got four guys that played off the bench tonight. We'll start with the man that made his return to New York, Obi Toppin. 22 minutes, 4 of 10 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3. Had three rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks. He was a plus three, had 12 points. What is your grade for Mr. Obi Toppin? I thought Obi played awesome um, until it was either late third or early fourth where he kind of forced it a little bit driving to the basket and got blocked or stripped. Um, I got to... I got to give him a B plus though. Cause I like he hit, he went two for two on his threes. He made a ton of great plays. He had a couple blocks on the defensive end. Like I honestly thought that he might've earned some minutes to close this game. If the, like the Pacers weren't getting any rebounds anyway, maybe if they'd try to go small or something that mm-hmm. they'd go with uh topping at the four and Pascal at the five, but obviously they were getting killed on the glass. So they weren't going to try to go any smaller that, but, like I thought, I thought he played well. Uh, just forced the issue a little bit too much uh, in the second half. Yeah, no, there was definitely some bad plays from him, and it feels like whenever he makes one or two bad plays, they're just huge momentum swings. So they always feel heavier than what they actually probably are. And you know, retrospect to seeing somebody else turn the ball over, something like that. But 
I, I definitely was interested to see what Carlisle was going to do because we saw early on in this game, uh, Coach Carlisle went to Pascal at the three, Obi at the four, Miles at the five. And we never really saw that again. So I would have been interested to see if they maybe would have gone a little bit bigger. Like we mentioned earlier, the offensive rebounds were obviously a huge problem. So maybe if they go a little bit bigger, that does help. But, you know, I, I, I'll i trust yeah. the coaching staff with their decisions on this one. But, yeah, I thought Obi – like, He did only have one defensive rebound. So, you know, yeah. and Pascal only had three. So both of them are very guilty parties of – not helping on glass tonight. No, I mean, it was bad from all from top to bottom. I mean, I just felt like nobody was really getting in there and getting physical. They just, I mean, we know New York's MO. They're really defensive-minded and they're physical. And Indiana did not match that level of physicality. I would expect a much better effort from Indiana when they play New York later this month. I think you'll see a much more smash mouth type of style from Indiana. They'll be more physical. I think Rick Carlisle is going to get that out of them. But yeah, it's happened to me. I just thought... He was pretty solid tonight, like you mentioned. That first half was really good from him. So you gave him, I think you said a B plus. I, I said I'm the lenient teacher, so I feel like I have to stay with that. I was gonna say B, but I'll just ride with the B plus. I don't think the second half was necessarily his fault. I just feel like everybody really struggled once Tyrese came out of the game and New York was really trying to pick it up. So it's it's really hard to sit there and like grade everybody based on that collapse because it was a total team effort. But uh the guy that kind of had to spearhead that. Collapse was Andrew Nimhard, 4-12 from the field. Did not shoot the ball particularly well. Six assists, three rebounds, 10 points was a minus nine. Uh, what were your thoughts on Nimhard and what grade did you give him? Uh, I, like I said at the beginning, like having to play 18 straight minutes when you only played eight in the first half, like that's tough. Um, yeah. I thought like he made a couple big shots early on in the fourth quarter. Um, no turnovers, which has been a problem for him this year. Like, so that's a, a good, good thing that he did. Um, yeah, just mid-range shot wasn't going in quite enough. Missed uh, an easy layup towards the end there that brought his percentage down a little bit. Uh, I guess he brought it back up when he hit the three that didn't mean anything towards the end of the game too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like a B minus, okay. I'd say for Nimhard. I was going to say around a C. I, that's how I felt. I thought it was a very average game from Nimhard. You know, had had some moments. Tough spot to put him in. We've already talked about it. You know, hit hit some big buckets in the fourth quarter, kind of kept the team afloat, gave him a little bit of a cushion there. Obviously, they couldn't hold on to it. But, you know, his little his little eight-foot mid-range, you know, jumper right there, I feel like that's pretty bread and butter for him. When he can get the right separation, it feels pretty good. I do think he defaults that a little bit too much sometimes. And, gets himself being a little bit predictable. But defensively, like, it, it was not going to be easy, like, who he was having to guard, whether it was Brunson or getting switched on the DiVincenzo. Like, I know DiVincenzo didn't shoot the ball well tonight, percentage-wise, but early on he was just on fire. Like, that, guy, I felt like that guy was going to go for, like, 50 the way he was shooting the ball, obviously. Water found its level. He went 8-26. That is DiVincenzo, that is. But I, I just felt like Nimhard, like, asking him to guard – Brunson and and even Chinzo towards the end of the game, switching back and forth on those two guys, and then also having to run the offense. It's a lot to ask, but you know, still could be a little bit more efficient shooting the basketball wise. So I'll I'll go see for my average for him. And then we're gonna round it out here with Jalen Smith and, and Ben Shepard. I think, you know, Jalen Smith to me was fantastic in this game. Nine of eleven was clearly the best big man of anybody out there. He had nine rebounds, which is which is really nice. Uh, two blocks, two steals. He actually had the steal to put the Pacers up 199 when Jalen Brunson got whacked in the face by Nimhard, and they were trapping him in the backcourt. Smith just went and grabbed the ball, dunked it, and gave the Pacers a lead. And, you know, Pacers never saw the lead after that once the Knicks retook it. But I felt like Jalen Smith, his 20 points, his nine rebounds, his, his two blocks and two steals, he was easy A for me tonight. I thought he was the best player uh, just all around on the floor tonight. And it was like you could feel when he was out there versus Miles, like the team was much worse. Yes, I thought Sticks was great. Uh, easy A for me. Like the Pacers hadn't scored for like, I don't know how long it was. It was four or five minutes straight. And he hit that big three um, that kind of stopped the bleeding on that run. And then he had the and one bucket where he missed the free throw, but the Knicks challenged it and it stood. Um, I think he scored again later uh big three right after pascal yep right after that um so 
like, yeah, there's like he finished the game over Turner because Turner struggled so much. Um, zero fouls, too, like mm. multiple starters. Siakam had five, Neesmith had six, Turner had five. Now, like, so like the entire front court was struggling with fouls all night. Sticks didn't have any. Um, so yeah, I can't complain. Like, he had the most defensive rebounds of any pacer. Like, so at least felt like he was trying on the glass. <laughs> Yeah. Uh to to grab some of those some of those rebounds. Uh he's definitely like a guilty party too and got beat by Hartenstein a few times, but hard to complain. Uh about a twenty and nine two and two night from your backup center in twenty four minutes. Like he's he's been so good all year. He he really has. And I and I agree with you though. I felt like there were some times where he was just watching those guys and not putting a body on them. And so it's like uh, it's 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 basic stuff you teach kids in middle school. Like, hey, when you box out, it's not just run to the basketball. You know, you got to make contact, you know, which I know that's like some referees even say, like, if you like seek contact out as a rebounder and try to get your bottom into somebody it, it try to try to move them back like that's technically a foul. But I just feel like, you know, he, he, they could have done better, a better job at that. I am going to ask you this, though. Isaiah Jackson has kind of been out of the rotation since. You know, Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner, and Jalen Smith have all been healthy, and Obi Toppin's obviously playing more uh, backup for. So now this kind of takes Ijax out of the rotation. But I feel like this is a game when you're getting beat like that, you could maybe throw in a guy like Ijax to match some of that, you know, athleticism intensity that a Precious Achu was uh, was bringing in this game, and maybe you give him five six minutes there in the in the second half just to let him see what he can do because you were getting pounded on the boards. Is there any is there any reason why you think Isaiah Jackson maybe should have got a look tonight? I got I can see your reasoning. Um, I think that's it's hard to do. I think in the second half to just be like, all right, here's six minutes. Like I think, I don't know. Like Sticks is playing so well. Um, like playing together. I don't know what. The, I, yeah, they've done that some. I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean we've well. seen that we've seen him do that with McConnell though, right? Like. McConnell won't play the first half. They really need a, a boost of energy, so they throw McConnell there. I know I know, not everybody can do what McConnell can do because he's really good at what he does, but I feel like Isaiah Jackson's young enough, good opportunity to prove himself. Like, if he fails, like, okay, what were you expecting? Like, you know, like, I, I feel like all he could do was go up in this situation. Like, there was no way he could have been like, oh, that was just terrible. Like, that's the coach's fault for putting him in that spot if he does bad, but – at that point, I think you're just reaching for anything, just somebody to give you a cut, something different with how bad they were struggling to get to get uh, keep, I should say, New York off the glass. Yeah, like maybe when I don't know, like just trying to think back of the game, like when a time that really would have made sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like I can I, if he would have if Carlisle would have tried that, like I would have understood it. But that's not something that I was thinking of in the moment, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I think one thing we should also look at too here, which we didn't bring up, maybe you didn't, I didn't hear you, and I forget, but their starters for New York played really heavy minutes. Isaiah Hardenstein played the least amount of minutes of the starters, and he played 36. So 36 for him, 37 for Brunson, 38 for Hart and DiVincenzo, and then 43 for Achua. That's a lot of minutes to be playing, guys, in a regular season game. Uh, McBride had 29 minutes off the bench, but, you know, Tib Tibbs wasn't playing around. He wanted to get that victory. And, you know, give himself a five game advantage over Indiana in the standings, which was, you know, they're trying to get that number two seat as well. So I just thought for them to be able to play that many minutes, you know, can the Pacers really complain about their minutes and how many they had to plan around? Yeah. So I, I, can, I can see that perspective. I think one of your better examples of like the throw a guy in there would be the Ben Shepard when he got, when he played that entire fourth quarter. Mm hmm. Good point. Um, who was that against? I can't remember. That was he against the again. Nuggets when Carlisle got ejected. Yes, against yes, because Lloyd Pierce put him in. Yeah. Um. So yeah. they they have. I can't remember any TJ games like that, but I do remember the the Ben Shepard game, and that that did make a huge difference. So yeah, could have been worth a shot. Uh, I wouldn't have done it personally because I don't really like watching Sticks and Ajax play together <laughs> that much. But 
I don't love it either. Trust me. It's not the greatest pairing, you know, it's, it's worse than Turbonus by a long shot. So, uh, but double bigs is something we're not really a fan of here just because we have PTSD from it. But the McConnell game, I think I was referring to was the Portland game earlier this year at Gambridge Fieldhouse when they were really struggling and they put McConnell in there in the third quarter, just trying to break up some of that monotony that was going on there from the Pacers offense. And he came in there and provided a little bit of a spark. It wasn't much, but I remember Carlisle giving him some praise after that, but you know, I, I try not to remember any of the Portland Pacer games this year just because they were so ugly to watch, and Indiana just completely fell flat on their face. So uh, you, you brought up Ben Shepard. That's our last guy we're going to talk about here. 22 points, um, had some really good moments, had some moments where you could tell this is a rookie trying to figure things out here, especially in a close ball game. But the newest addition, he's got more facial hair, not just the mustache. He's starting to grow with some of that goatee on his chin. So I think that that you know, should take his letter grade down a little bit because I want just the mustache. Well, you go ahead. Go ahead. Where, where's your, where's your grade before and after? Uh, so before I would give him a, I'd given him a C plus, but without it, I'm gonna give him a C minus. I mean, he was fine. I mean, just a tough spot for him to be in, in the garden playing significant minutes. Like he was better than buddy healed and they needed him to play more defensively. Like he had some good moments, like that one sequence. So you could tell Carlisle was really frustrated with him. He, he, you know, had the foul and Rick's like, what are you doing? The next play he steals the basketball. And as he steals it and corrals it, he dribbles it out of bounds. And so Carlisle's like, just stop, gather the basketball. You don't need to go pushing up the court. Then the next play gets another foul on him and quick trigger, Buddy Hill goes back in. So any, anytime you're getting yourself pulled out for Buddy Hield in a game where Buddy Hield is an F, I, I think that we need to give you probably a C minus or a D plus. I'm, I'm not as harsh on, on Shep today. He's a rookie, I thought. I know. I thought he was great. Um, like I, I've been really pleased with him. I mean, he he's a guard that got six rebounds on a night where the Pacers couldn't get any, um, and they're all defensive. Uh, did have some fouls that maybe you'd like to have back, but he's also one of only five Pacers with a positive plus minus at the end yeah. of the, end of the game. And I don't know how much time he spent with Tyrese. So like. Uh, which I could be wrong about that. Maybe he played a bunch with him in the first half. Um, but three steals. Uh, I thought he could. They could have easily called a foul when he lost that ball out of bounds when the guy reached for the steal, um, which could have made that a big play. Uh, two for four on his shots. I liked his little when they ran stack for him when he came open on the top of the key, dribbled in, hit that little floater. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a nice play. Um, hit the three in the corner. Missed a couple more. Like. Uh, like he's, I think he's still under thirty percent on the th from three this year, which is just crazy. Like if I think I tweeted during the game, like if you would have told me that Ben Shepard's going to get minutes because he can play defense, but he's going to struggle to make shots, and Jarris Walker <laughs> is hardly ever going to play, but when he does, he's going to look like a great shooter and really struggle on defense. Like I would have thought you mixed those names up before you told me that. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> that's a fair, and maybe I am being too critical. Uh, I, I was more so just distracted by the new facial hair that I couldn't really see his game. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, there was moments where he, he looked good. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was like, okay, Ben, like, he had some really good defensive switches, and he plays really hard. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I was doing pre-stash, pre post-stash, uh, <laughs> I should say goatee, pre-goatee, post-goatee grading here with a curve, so... You know, I just, I felt like it was a pretty average game. They're like, I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong for, for my expectations for Ben Shepard. But he, it's just tough because I felt like he was a part of that group that really gave up the lead back to, to New York. And so maybe he had a really nice plus minus early in the first half. I haven't checked that out yet. But I don't, I just feel like Ben Shepard, it's just a matter of time until he's probably not in the rotation. And I don't think that should be the case. I, I think that he's, over the last at least couple of weeks, maybe earn more playing time than Buddy Hield at this point. But I know they're not going to pull Buddy out because he is the veteran and he's a much more prolific shooter in terms of just like what he's proven throughout his career. So you don't make that move. But I mean, when I see fans actually on Twitter saying like Ben Shepard should be getting Buddy Hield's minutes, I don't really have much of an argument back to that with how inconsistent and poor Buddy has been on defense on defense this year. So I, I would just I. Would, I just don't want this experience to end with Ben Shepard, but I have a feeling that we're not going to see it too much longer once everybody gets healthy. Yeah, which is uh, which is unfortunate. 
like both of the rookies like look like they deserve minutes and maybe it's just you know the Pacers won't really like they have three second round picks but they don't really have draft picks that are going to be usable guys next year mm -hmm. um so you it makes it a little easier though if you let Buddy Heald walk um in free agency I don't decide not to resign resign Obi Toppin well at least you know you got a couple guys um that are waiting that should be ready with another summer of experience and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. I also, I don't know if I gave Shep a grade, but I'll, I'll put a B plus on it just to bring his average up from your <laughs> harsh. My harsh C. <laughs> it's funny. We talked about like you being lenient and then I think I had higher grades. <laughs> yeah. The, our bench players were the opposite of our starters. It's funny. <laughs> How after I made that comment, my grades were harder. I, I don't know what happened there. Maybe we just switched roles. Nobody knew it was happening, but we did it. And didn't mean to. So uh, I think I was more cognizant of like, maybe I should be harsher and you maybe were more cognizant of maybe I should be leaning. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said anything. But uh, watching this game tonight, I was going to ask you this before the game. Um, well, I was going to ask you this before we podcast that I was thinking about this today, kind of looking at the standings and how everything is jumbled up there and looking at who could play who. Is there, is there a team you would prefer to see in the top six if you're Indiana? I mean, I think the the fun, like it's already kind of a rivalry answer would be the Bucks, but I don't want anything to do with the play in at all. Yeah. So like I mean, I think ideally, I don't know, because like if even if you get into the four five spot, then you gotta play Boston in the second round if you get out of that first round. So and the Sixers, like now Embiid's dealing with that knee, so maybe they're the team and the Pacers have played as well as they could have played the Sixers so far. Mm -hmm. So I every I the great thing about it now is like with the way they've played even Boston the way they've played all those teams above them you feel like like this is going to be a competitive series no matter what so yeah. like that's the fun yeah. part about the playoffs my preference personally like if the Bucks could somehow fall to three and the Pacers could get to six I think that's my uh, preference even though uh, the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin. Um, I feel like he was a, definitely a big part of the Pacers' success against the Bucks this year. Yeah. Um, so that'll uh, knock it down a peg. But I think that that just sounds like a super fun series. Um, and I, I like I, the Pacers have played them well. So that would be a fun one. Pacers have played them well, but I do worry about how Giannis and Dame are officiated in the playoff series. So for me, not that I would not want to see the Bucks. I think it would be a fun matchup. I, I kind of want to see New York move up to two, and I'd like to see Cleveland move up to three, and Milwaukee and Philly play each other in the 4-5 matchup with Indiana staying at six. I feel like Indiana versus Cleveland would be a very interesting matchup. I think that that would be one Indiana could win since they've already beaten Cleveland, I believe, twice already this season. Uh, maybe it's three times. I can't remember. Is it three times? I think it's just two. Just two. One in the one in the in-season tournament. Or at the like beginning of the year, right yeah. before that. I don't know if they've played them since then. Yeah, they I haven't played them since they've been like hot. Yeah, I don't think they have, and maybe it's just because I remember them beating them. But I feel like just that matchup, Indiana could match up decently well with them, based on how they're built. And so I feel like a Cleveland Indiana matchup in the three six would be nice. And then you have New York at two play Miami at seven. I feel like that would be a very fun series. Obviously, you wouldn't want to play either of those teams in the second round, but I'd rather play New York or Miami in round two than Boston in round two. So I think if I'm Indiana, staying at the six seed's not the worst-case scenario, but don't want to see them fall to seven where they have to play Orlando in a 7-8 matchup uh, to win that just because we know how they've struggled with Orlando's size this year. And then you're playing either Chicago or Atlanta. Now, if the Atlanta somehow beats Chicago, you feel pretty good about that and, and for the eighth spot, but... What is that consolation prize, you know, getting to play Boston in the first round? So I think staying in the top six, but staying at six, to me, makes the most sense uh, with what I want just because you want to try to avoid Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals if you get hot and, and can get rolling. It feels like a lot to wish for with uh, both of those teams falling to 4-5. So then they're on the same side as Boston. <laughs> so only one of those teams hey, makes it to the conference finals. <laughs> Cleveland's only a game behind Milwaukee of the two seed. I mean, they're all jumbled up there. I mean, they're 32-16. and 16. They're on – I think they have the fifth toughest schedule left remaining. Uh, Doc Rivers is – they're calling right. shots now. And they just lost to Portland in a tough one. And Dame's returned to Portland. So – 
We'll I see can't judge anybody. Milwaukee. Can't judge anybody for a Portland loss. Let's. let's I know, <laughs> but I can judge Doc Rivers. I've seen a That's lot of fair. Doc Rivers, and I think with Joel Embiid having this injury, it does kind of open up a window a little bit. So, I could see it happening. I don't think it's that unlike. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy to think about because New York's only a half game back of Milwaukee for the two seed. Cleveland only a half game back of New York uh, for the third it, seed. So, it is crazy how bunched up it is. Uh, hopefully it'd be nice if the Pacers were, were up there in that jumble. They, for a while, it was the four, five, six, seven, eight jumble. And now it's the two, three, four, five jumble. Yeah. I mean, Indiana is about what? Three and a half games out of fifth Philadelphia. They go on a winning streak. They could, they could easily get back up in that conversation. I just would hate for them to fall into like a five seed, still be on the road in the first round, and then have to play Boston in the second round if they win that series. So, but they yep. played Boston pretty well. I mean, I just think in a in a, in a playoff series though, oh, that's just going to be a nightmare for Indiana. <laughs> yeah, both. I mean, whoever they play, like I'm just really excited to just get Pacers basketball playoff basketball yeah. again. So, we whatever happens, keep Halliburton healthy, get into the postseason, hopefully avoid the play in, and let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, breaking down this game with me. A lot of fun tonight uh, talking about this game. And despite a loss, obviously not a fun one there, but uh, we had a good time talking about this team, and maybe we'll see these guys bounce back against Sacramento on Friday night, which hopefully they they can get a clean sweep of Sacramento. So that would be huge. But, uh, Derek, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you at on social media before I let you go. Yeah, you can find me at, at iPacersBlog on Twitter. Um, ipacers.com for content there. Uh, new shirt design up of uh, the man they ain't ain't no stopping of. Um, <laughs> so that's we'll be yeah, topping, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, all right, yep, that's it for me. All right, everybody, make sure you guys give Derek a follow, and I'm sure you guys are. If you aren't already, you're missing out, and that OB Toppin shirt is pretty sick. I saw it. I think it's from the dunk against the Suns, right? Correct, yes. The East Bay. The East Bay dunk. All right, so there you guys go. If you like Obi Toppin, going between the legs in a fast break when trailing by 10 points, there you go. Get you an Obi Toppin shirt from Derek's store. And if you guys like this podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you think about this show. And everybody, follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace, or excuse me, at PacersPodSTP. We're on Instagram at PacersPodSTP as well. You can find me and Fachi on both Instagram and Twitter at underscore FACCI and I'm at Alex Golden NBA and we will talk to y'all later this week. <laughs>